For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. I'm Joe Donoghue and, and as always, we're going to be discussing a particular topic in the world of under-23 football today. Um, we've discussed the Austrian Bundesliga on this podcast uh, quite a lot recently, uh, including an episode at the beginning of the 2021-22 season, uh, largely because FC Red Bull Salzburg are an interesting case study to, to follow when it comes to youth football and they've had a, an excellent start to the campaign. Um, but I think it's only fair that we discuss uh, their neighbours, Switzerland, who at the moment uh, are at the very least doing a little bit better on the international scene than their, their Alpine counterparts. Um, I'm delighted to say that today we have Oliver Zessiger, uh, one of the lead football manager researchers for Switzerland, as well as being a professional football scout, uh, to talk us through some of the teams and players in the Swiss Super League. Names you might end up becoming more mainstream. Uh, in the coming seasons. Um, Oliver, welcome to the Scouted Pods. Um, how are things in Switzerland at the moment? Hello, Joe. Um, thanks for having me, first off. Uh, yeah, things are all right. Um, there are a lot of ongoings right now behind the scenes because, you know, away fans were banned for the final two match days and, um, yeah, to probably to prevent COVID restrictions uh, hitting football again. Um, but yeah, interesting times uh, to be an observer of Swiss football. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think from from my from my vantage point in the in the UK, it's been interesting to see the different um, the different you know stances that the other European governments and European countries, leagues, and associations have taken with with the, obviously the, the ongoing global situation. But um, just talk us through a little bit more about your your role with Football Manager, uh, because I'm I'm sure that's a game which, uh, if not the, the vast majority of people uh, who, who listen to this podcast will have played, then uh, I think a, a fair portion will have, will have played football manager before. Um, some may have even started a save in, in Switzerland with one of the teams we're, we're going to discuss. But what, what is sort of the role that you do with, with the, the researching side of things? Yeah, I think some of your listeners might have heard about football manager. <laughs> I, I am, uh, I am uh, with FM, with Sports Interactive for 12 years now, uh, going into my 13th year. Uh, I am a co-head researcher. I'm responsible for a team of assistant researchers who take care of a club or a league. And uh, I'm responsible for basically every playable club, which means the top division and the second division, including under 21s and under 18s. And uh, I do uh, have a team, as I said, of uh, dedicated uh, assistant researchers. But in the end, I have a final say uh, on things like uh, current ability, potential ability, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's really exciting because, I mean, from from somebody who has played football manager for, for you know probably longer than thirteen years, you know, it's 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 so curious to think about the processes that go into it and 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 why the the decisions are made on certain players. Um, you know, in your time that you've been you've been working with with Sports Interactive, you know, who who are some of your favourite players to have to have come through those top two leagues in Switzerland? Yeah. Um... When I started out, a certain Mr. Sheridan Shakiri also started out at Basel. Uh, he ah. was around the age of 17, 18, I believe, back in 2009. 
and uh, he was basically my first wonder kid i uh, was uh, happy to create then uh, granny chaka of course brelembo a personal favorite of mine not only because of his playing style because of his uh, character and his personality as well and yeah there were many uh, good players uh, i'm also happy to say i heavily underrated mohamed salah when he was in switzerland <laughs> and uh, yeah many good players went through my fingers i'm I think I'm lucky to say I've got more than 50% right and some were over, some were underrated, but happens to the best of them. Yeah, I think that's pretty much par for the course, really. I mean, it's it's always very difficult, especially from our perspective, trying to predict how a player's career will go. You know, there are lots of extenuating factors and, and circumstances that go into that. Um, but yeah, I think in, in general, the Swiss Super League, you know, it, it kind of flies under the radar a little bit, especially across here in the UK uh, and compared to, to the Austrian Bundesliga. Um, because, you know, Swiss teams haven't had sort of the same impact as, you know, a Red Bull Salzburg, as I mentioned earlier, uh, over the past few seasons with them doing quite well in the Champions League. But I think it's important not to forget, you know, for, for a lot of us that, you know, Mohamed Salah obviously was, was at Basel and and, and Jordan Shakiri, Granit Xhaka, Brillan Bolo, these these players that are, you know, pretty synonymous with, with European football and, and not just, you know, the, the the second division or the first division, but, you know, the top teams in those top leagues. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it's about time, certainly on this podcast, that we paid uh, a bit of attention to the Swiss Super League. But um, what, what is sort of the, the, the format of, of the league in Switzerland, the, you know, the, the top flight? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a 10-team ten, ten league. And uh, the funny thing is, if, we, if Switzerland is in the top 15 in the UEFA coefficient, then half the league plays in Europe. And one team goes straight down to the Challenge League, which is the second division. And one team plays a, a relegation playoff. So three teams are basically not in Europe and not in the uh, relegation zone. Um, it's a problem, uh, a ten team league, uh, because uh, teams don't have qualification security. It means they can't plan the next season un- unless they're mathematically safe. And this is a big problem with the larger league. You would have a secure mid- mid- midfield where you could plan ahead, uh, where you know you're safe, you're not going down, uh, you're not in trouble, or uh, you may not play in Europe um, uh, as well. This uh, 10-team format has uh, been ongoing since 2003, 2004, I believe. And uh, people are now starting to talk again about a format change, about uh, a bigger league, about a secure midfield, and about more security planning for clubs. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, it's not something I'd considered, to be honest, uh, about uh, you know teams and and leagues which were were only ten teams. Um, you know, it's obviously that there'll be a lots of implications and permutations for teams if they do qualify for Europe. You know, with in terms of the budgets for next season and whatnot, and and especially for those who are relegated. So, yeah, I suppose that's quite an important point. Um, this season we've got uh, FC Zurich who are currently top of the table uh, with thirty four points from sixteen games, uh, trailing them ever so slightly FC Basel, uh, Lugano, Young Boys, Grasshoppers, uh, Servette, Sion, St. Gallen, uh, and then you've got Lausanne in the uh, the relegation playoff uh, places at the moment and Lucerne in the bottom spot. Um, I mean, in terms of the teams that you're most familiar with, uh, Oliver, who, who would you who would you say is is your is the team that you you've got a you've got the the, the best handle on? I would say certainly Basel um, because I am a fan since 1994. 
and young boys because they're close to where I live. Um, but I have a pretty good handle on every team. Um, luckily, I've dedicated for football manager. I've dedicated assistants who work on a team who are fans of those teams. So mm. I don't have to have a good handle on every team. Um, but uh, I still research Basel and Young Boys and several other teams, and I think that Basel is probably the one I know best. Good stuff. I suppose that that takes us in nicely then to discussing FC Basel because um, this season in particular they've got quite a few uh, interesting players from a from a scouted football perspective. Um, Artur Cabral, who is uh, twenty three, so he's at the 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 upper the upper bound of of players that we cover at Scouted, but he is um, he's doing spectacularly this season, isn't he? I mean, his, his scoring record since arriving in Europe, I, I think from Palmeiras in Brazil, um, has been just just phenomenal. Um, you know, I think it's it's something like 14 goals maybe in in uh, the Super League, and then uh, a, a ridiculous amount in. I think it might be 12 in nine European fixtures this season for for Basel. So he's um, yeah, he, he knows how to find the back of the net. Um, it's it's interesting because you know Arthur has 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 kind of come onto my radar a little bit recently because he's been linked with a handful of English clubs. He's been linked with a handful of um, clubs in in you know the top five European leagues. I mean, first of all, what what's he like as a player? But but also, do you think that the Swiss Super League can can be a you know a really good platform for these types of players? Um, sure, yeah. The Swiss Super League is a stepping stone league, and at that, it is almost at an elite level of uh, progressing players uh, buying cheap and selling on. As the landscape in football has changed in the last ten years, uh, the likes of Salah and uh, other other players of that uh, level would not come to Switzerland nowadays. They would go to a bigger league. But in terms of uh, progressing players, the Swiss league is excellent at that. Uh, Cabral himself, uh, I mean, he's uh, decently tall um, and he's strong. And he's almost like a target man in that he plays with his back to the goal uh, when the team is in attack and then... Uh, moves into a channel right in front of goal. He's also able to shoot from a distance. So his technical ability is quite good. Um, the only thing that worries me a bit if we're talking about interest from the Premier League in Arturo Cabral is that he doesn't work as efficiently against the ball. He often seems a bit off, a bit, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say lazy, but just a step behind the ball. And that's in, if you're, if you're playing organized pressing, this, this could kill your press and, uh, that's my main worry about him. But his goal-scoring record is spectacular. He scored in all competitions this season uh, 25 goals in 27 games, assisted on eight more. Was called up to the Brazilian national team, although didn't play. But uh, the last time a Swiss player was called up to the Brazilian national team uh, was in uh, 1998. So wow. it's, quite, it's quite miraculous that Artur Cabral managed to get called up. And... Uh, I, I clearly understand why uh, someone like Artur Cabral is highly sought after in the market because player who scores goals um, and is a safe uh, penalty taker um, is always a player that will be in uh, in high demand in football. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, with that goals record alone, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be funneling a lot of interest from from sporting directors all across Europe to to go to go and have a have a look at him. You know, it's that that's that's no fluke. That's that's not not chance or coincidence that that he's finding the net that, that regularly for for Basel. Uh, and it's not just this season either. You know, he he scored 18 goals I think in the league last year. Um I mean, he looks on course to surpass that in the next few weeks at this rate, but um, yeah, he's he's somebody who I think at 23 um, he'll certainly be playing in in sort of a with, with no disrespect to, to the Swiss league as you know as you said it's a it's a stepping stone at the moment but he'll be playing in a league um, which uh, typically has uh, more more prestigious prestigious clubs and, and, and wealthier clubs I think it's it's important to say um, in in the near future um, it's interesting that you mentioned about his his work rate off the ball um, I think we do tend to see that with a certain type of striker. Um, I mean, Diego Costa was 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 particularly like that, wasn't he? Um, when he was playing in Europe, you know, he knew where to find the back of the net, but he knew where to to find spaces in the final third and and how to to be really aggressive with defenders. Um, but his 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 pressing was not what he was famed for. Um, in terms of the other players at Basel this season, um, there there are a few on loan, uh, and that's what I kind of want to discuss next because I think. W- w- when you talk about loan players, you know a lot of the time you question their commitment. You question whether they're fully bought into to the long term objectives of a club because they know they're only going to be there for for six months to a year. Um, but there are there are two very young players in. I think they're both still teenagers in in the first team at the moment. And Joelson Fernandes, uh, who signed on loan from Sporting in Portugal, uh, and Sebastiano Esposito, who signed uh, on loan from Inter in in Italy, of course. Um, and there was also, uh, you might have to correct me on the pronunciation here, Darian Malis on a two-year loan from Inter as well. And that got me thinking, is, is there sort of a, a, a relationship between Basel and, and other clubs in Europe where they can, they can take young players on loan, and develop them in a, in a top-flight league and, and you know, potentially European football? Uh, yeah, there is. Although it's a very recent relationship relationship with those big clubs, they also signed a uh, right back from uh, Real Madrid. Um, it's because uh, the ownership has changed in Basel. Uh, David Degen, former uh, Basel player and uh, twin brother of Philip Degen, a former Liverpool player. Um, David Degen is now the new owner and he has changed uh, the system of how the club works. Um, they want to work with big clubs with uh, uh, loaning out uh, by loaning out players, uh, talented youngsters. Uh, by the way, they also they have a buy option on every uh, every single one of those players. So, so that's not just a loan for uh, for a loan sake. In, if they wanted, they could buy uh, those players. But uh, yeah, that's the new that's the new uh, system in Basel. Um, if you look at the squad, around five or six top talents are loaned. Some were signed uh, permanently, but uh, that's pretty much how the club will work moving forwards by loaning uh, well well trained, well formed, well uh, educated players from bigger clubs, make them better. Either sign them with a buy option or give them back uh, as better players after you. It also is uh, about growing the reputation as a premier uh, formation club in Europe again, because Basel had that reputation once, lost it a little bit over the last three or four years, and it's now uh, a goal of the current ownership to grow that reputation again. Yeah, very interesting. I didn't know about the options to buy on those um, on, on those players, which I think, I mean, they should be, you know, 
players who are who are going to develop immensely over the next few years. So um, if there have been some some favourable fees that have been negotiated there, then then that certainly stands the club in good stead. Um, I know that sometimes the options to buy can be can be I don't know suffocating a little bit because uh, sorry obligations to buy can be suffocating a little bit. Um, but if if the options are there, then I suppose the ball is very much in in Basel's court. How have um, Joelson and, and Esposito got on so far in the league? Yeah, Scholson has had a tricky start. Um, he's very raw, as you can see when you watch him for five or more minutes. Yeah. He got he got ten minutes at the end of last week's game against Lausanne. Uh, lost the ball. Um, didn't have a good stint to begin with. Uh, lost the ball. Then uh, made a, a wrong decision and went to go into a tackle, and then gave away a penalty all within one sequence. And, <laughs> It was harsh because he was crying afterwards. I felt really sorry for him, but uh, he's 18 and he will improve, but he's raw and he needs to train to be, uh, to be, um, or just get minutes at the end of games where the game is already uh, decided uh, to be able to improve. Uh, they also loaned him for two years, so uh, no worries. There is enough time for mm-hmm. him to improve, and he will get that time, I'm sure. Esposito is a different story. He came in, was a starter from the beginning with, uh, scored uh, some great goals, uh, one with the, the outside uh, of the boot uh, into the far corner, a direct free kick against the young boys in the top of the league game, and uh, he's excellent he's technically so good uh, he's plays behind Artur Cabral almost in a nine and a half or a, a ten role uh, he roams from side to side to, to give support to the wing players and he still manages to be in position for for a good finish um, unfortunately he has uh, he, his progression was hampered by injuries a bit but he's on his way back and I'm really happy to see him again because he's really good to look uh, to watch when he's in form and uh, he's a highlight of the Swiss Super League. Yeah, I, the first time I watched Esposito was uh, in Serie A when I think he took a penalty for for Inter. Uh it was probably it was def almost definitely at the end of one of the games which Inter had already tied up and they'd already won. Um but uh, you know, it kind of struck me that this this 18-year-old or 17-year-old as he was at the time was stepping up in front of the San Siro to, to take a penalty. I thought, you know, this this kid's got a little bit of something about him. Um, so it's 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 encouraging to see that, obviously, injuries aside, he's um, he's doing well in Switzerland at the moment. Um, in terms of, I mean, we've been discussing loans. We've been discussing incoming loans, but there's been one outgoing loan from Basel this season which uh, which caught my eye in the data uh, and that was Mamadou Kalisen who is on loan at Grasshoppers from Basel um, and you know, he's averaging 0.9 non-penalty goals and assists per 90 in the league um, and you know for a team which is you know around mid-table he's, he's pretty much up there with the the best five or six or seven players in terms of in, in terms of the numbers uh, across the league so that that was I mean he was somebody who who stood out I, I've only been able to watch sort of a few little clips of him but um, I, I wanted to, to sort of uh, to ask your opinion on Mamadou Kalisen. Yeah Mamadou Kalisen has uh, quite a journey behind him uh, he, he arrived uh, as, as, as one of those uh, Juventus Turin deals uh, where they uh, swapped players and uh, he didn't get a work permit at, at, at the beginning here in Switzerland, and he was moved to to Cyprus to, to play there for a season, so he would get his uh, work permit. 
came back and played for the under-21s in Basel. And I watched him uh, from time to time with the under-21s and I didn't really like him. The thing is, he was playing as a winger. And he, while he's quick, uh, he's not really a dribbler. He's not really the one who wins one-on-one -on -one duels except with speed. So uh, Grasshopper's play in uh, in a system quite like Gasparini's 3-5-2 in Atalanta. And he's uh, one of the two strikers which fits him much better. And he's been a revelation for Grasshopper since he's arrived here. He scored this weekend. You're in 0.9 uh, and non-penalty uh, non goals and assists per, per 90 are a bit outdated because he scored a hat-trick this weekend. So I'm, I'm sure those uh, numbers have risen. Yeah, they must have done. Yeah, I'm just looking yeah, now. Yeah. Hat-trick against St. Gallen. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What, a great, second... what a great timing. <laughs> yeah. And the second goal was a bicycle kick. So oh, uh, he's, 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 in, he's in fine form. Um, and that's quite an understatement. understatement. Now, uh, um, Grasshoppers have loaned him. And uh, they have a buy option as well. So I would assume that at the end of the season, he will sign permanently with Grasshoppers. As I said, he's been a revelation. He's been very good. I was skeptical at the beginning. I was wrong. And uh, this is another example of, if you can see, uh, some players just need the right role, the right coach who believes in them, mm. and the right structure around them. And that's not only on the pitch, but also off the pitch, that people believe in a player. This is what's, happen what's happening right now with Kali Sen and Grasshoppers. I don't think he would play nearly as well for Basel um, as he does for Grasshoppers at the moment. So uh, a very good transfer for all parties involved. Yeah, definitely. And I tell you what, St. Gallen fans must absolutely hate him. I think that's five goals he scored against them this season. So Yeah, in two games. Yo, that's, oh, you must be dreading the sight of him uh, next time he, he lines up against them. But yeah, again, another interesting low knee. Um, with Grasshoppers... Um, I, I kind of knew this, but I didn't. I, I still don't know the ins and outs of it. But they have a sort of a partnership with Wolves in in the Premier League, don't they? What what is what what's sort of the the relationship there? How does that how does that work? Yes, yeah, so um, Wolves are clearly doing or helping them out with scouting uh, is one part. I mean, Wolves have an established scouting system, scouting structure, and. Grasshoppers are surely able to uh, rely on Wolves to help them out with scouting. They also help them out with uh, loan players. Uh, Leonardo Campana, for mm. example, Ben de Gushbolla, uh, is another player who arrived on loan. Uh, last season was Conor Ronan and uh, several other players who arrived uh, from Wolves. And uh, I think the goal is that uh, some players return to Wolves as better players. Some, some players will stay at Grasshoppers uh, permanently and then maybe will be sold to a bigger league when they or if they improve that's a common structure in switzerland nowadays because lausanne has a, has a similar structure with uh, a nice in france where nice does the scouting and loan players to lausanne uh, to improve which was uh, what happened like yeah uh, yes last year with uh, lucas dacunia for example mm. And uh, Lugano now was recently bought by the owner of Chicago Fire. And they are a little bit more eye to eye, Chicago Fire and Lugano. But it's a similar structure as well, where they can move players around if someone doesn't, uh, doesn't really get on with the, with the football in America, he can come to Europe and still make a name for himself. So that's uh, a recent trend in Swiss football that uh, teams are part or uh, are are uh, within the structure of a bigger team. 
Yeah, I think we've seen that in in places like Belgium as well, haven't we? With um, with with clubs like uh, I mean, I know that Brighton and Hove Albion's owner Tony Bloom owns um, Union Saint Gilloise. Maybe I've, I've yeah. pronounced that incorrectly, but they're currently top of the the Belgian Pro League. If, the last time I checked, anyway. Hopefully, I'm not out of date again, like I was with Cali Sen. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they've been doing really well this season, and I think it's quite a quite a novel concept where you know, as you say, if if the football or the style of play or the management isn't really working for a player over in, in one part of the world, then if the ownership group does have a connection in Switzerland, for example, or, or a Belgium or somewhere else, then it makes it a lot easier to, 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 to sort of move that player where you can still use them as an asset within the same ownership umbrella. And, you know, it, it's it's something which I think English clubs are certainly going to explore a little bit more um, because of the, the work permit regulations and um, you know, Brighton are doing that at the moment. I think where they they, mo- they loaned out Moses Caicedo to Belgium to Beerschot uh, to to effectively you know get him some get him some minutes, but also um, to 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 help with that 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 work permit system. So yeah, it's um it's quite an interesting system. Um, we've spoken quite a bit about FC Basel there to begin with, um, but they're not they're not top of the league, are they? It's FC Zurich at the moment. Um, and there's one player in particular which probably comes as no surprise to you. Um, that uh, that is 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 my favourite from from FC Zurich and 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 the reason that I was not up to date with Kali Sen is because I've just been watching Bechir Omeragic uh, play for Zurich uh, as uh, as as the right sided centre half that he is. Um, I, I really really like him. I really like his style um, playing at the back. Um, he's approaching seventy five games for Zurich, um, which I think is fantastic for a player who's still nineteen years old. Um, and yeah, he's he's doing really well on on that right hand side of of Andre Breitenreiter's uh, back three. Um, I, I mean, you clearly know a lot more than about him than I do. Um, so I'll, I'll delegate to you on this. But what's your what's your opinion of of Omeragic? Yeah, he's been touted as a potential star for the future for a very long time, and mm. he's now beginning to live up to to that tag. He's already an international. He's played for Switzerland a um, few minutes. Uh, he, I think he's played a whole game against Spain and did reasonably well. Uh, and he was 18 at the time. And uh, Bechir is uh, someone I like watching, as you do, um, because he's able to carry the ball into midfield and he's doing it with a certain elegance. Now, he has some issues. He's not the, he's not the fastest. He's... Physically, he could still develop a bit more, a bit more strength, maybe. But uh, in general, he's a very good defender. Um, he's uh, usually reliable, at least this season. Sometimes he has some concentration lapses, but uh, the best of them have them. So, uh, yeah, Benji is, is a really good player and also a, a strong passer. So uh, if you're looking for someone who is defensively reliable and can play the first ball or carry the ball into the midfield, he's very good. But there are others at Zurich, and Zurich was bad yesterday, last season. Zurich was really bad. But this season, with the new coach, with Ander Breitner, as you mentioned, they're suddenly really good. They're fun to watch. They work hard on, on the pitch, and they get results. I don't think they will win the title, but they will come very close if they continue like this. Um, two other mentions from the young guys, the young squad at Zurich. Uh, is One is the left-back, Adrian Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was formed by Barcelona, he was uh, formed by Valencia, and he is uh, in, uh, at three goals and six assists in 15 games, only 23 years of age. 
someone who will probably make the step abroad. And uh, the other one is Wilfried Nyonto. Um, he's been at Zurich for, uh, he's, he's one of those who came from Inter as well. It was a surprise that he chose Inter, uh, that he chose Zurich over Inter. And uh, he's been at Zurich since uh, 2020 and he's only 18 years of, of age and he's the captain of the Italian under-19s national team. So another really, really good player that you need to keep watching because this guy could develop into a really good player in, in a top-five league. Yeah, with Nyonto, um, he's he's got a good record at, at youth international level with Italy, doesn't he? But it's, um, you know, he's been he's been coming off the bench more often than not for Zurich, but as you say, you know, at 18 years old, that's not a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you were talking about Joelson uh, at Basel earlier, how he needs to come on in games and just get that that familiarity with when 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 the game or when the game's already wrapped up, um, and and that's what Nyonto's doing at the moment, as far as I can see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Zurich. Uh, uh, I think I, I agree with you that perhaps they might not have the the stamina to, to go all the way and win the title. But you know, to have gone from was it seventh or eighth last season that they finished? So you know, in a ten team league, they were very much in the bottom half. Um, to to go on to be sort of challenging this year shows um, definitely shows that there's been there's been progress under Brighton writer and 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 obviously is. Is helping is is helped by the fact that you know you've got these players like Omoragic and and Nyonto and 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 Guerrero who are who are doing well and, and playing uh, regularly uh, you know playing regular football in a team that are that are challenging at the right end of the table. Um, elsewhere in the league, I, I think I, I was I was going to get to to young boys towards the end, but we should we should also mention you know young boys are unbeaten against Manchester United in the Champions League this season. I can't believe it's taken can't believe it's taken me half an hour to get to that point. Um, obviously, one win, one draw. Last night, a fantastic strike uh, from Fabian Rida, uh, who is 19 years old um, at uh, at Old Trafford. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, Fabian Rida, but young boys in general. You know, what have they been like this season? Uh, young boys have dominated Swiss football in the past three uh, or four seasons, and they've not this season because their coach Gerardo Silvana went to Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Wagner came in. It's always difficult to, for a new coach to come into a league that he's uh, or into a country where he's never been before, and uh, with a team that has been maybe a bit f- a bit fatigued from all the the title winning, and uh, so they are not not great. I think I believe at this current moment they won only two of their last nine or ten games. So not great. They also have a lot of injured players. Um, Christian Fasnacht, an international, is injured. Jopier and Same, who broke this goal-scoring record last season, or the season before, is, is injured. Um, and several other players were or are still injured. Um, that's uh, certainly a problem for them. Uh, but they uh, just found, uh, just, just uh, kicked out of the Champions League, which means they don't have cup football, they don't have international football. They only have league football to concentrate on in the uh, second round or the uh, second half of the season. So I would expect them to catch up with top of the table and probably going going to win the title again. Also, you think that the young boys will, without the distraction, that they they'll probably still do better than Basel and, and Zurich, who are, are you know a fair few points ahead of them already. Yeah, I believe so because if you if you look if I look at last season, they dominated the league. They won with yeah yeah 
20 plus points uh, and they didn't change that much in the team obviously the coach changed but uh, they didn't change that much so they should be capable of winning the title again or uh, playing uh, winning winning in streaks again and uh, finish top all right okay fair enough I'll, I'll i'll hold you hold you to that at the end of the season yeah. oliver because uh yeah okay. the mo- from from <laughs> From a very rookie perspective on Swiss football, um, you know it, it would it would look as though it's a two horse race, but no, um, that that's where the expertise comes in, I suppose, doesn't it? Um, elsewhere in the league, uh, you've got other teams like Servette, and the the reason that I that I I don't know, do I have a soft spot for them? Uh, a tiny one because that's where Kevin and Babu uh, signed for Newcastle from, um, and. Uh, for, for ever since that happened, uh, you know, I've, I, I've always been enamoured by Kevin Mbappé. Even though last night for Wolfsburg, he was uh, he was to blame for for two of the goals that they conceded. Um, it's fair to say, uh, but um, yes, yeah, Servette they've um, they've been they've been doing all right this season as well. Uh, they did they did well last season, obviously finishing third and, and qualifying for for European football. Um, but there's one player in particular uh, who is you know of particular interest to to, to me from sort of a, a scouted football perspective. Uh, and again, I've said this two or three times already on the podcast, but I'm I'm going to completely annihilate his name in such a terrible way. But Castro Imeri, uh, which I, Oliver, please correct me on when 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 you speak about him. Um, <laughs> he's yeah. Castriot. Castriot, yes. Oh, so I, I was overcomplicating it. It's just yeah. Castriot Di Mary. Um, he's born in 2000. He's another Swiss international, just like um, Bechir Omeragic. Um, but he's another who's, unlike Omeragic, who's a defender. Imeri at Servette this season is, is playing regularly and, and scoring lots of goals from midfield. Um, you know, he's he's somebody who, you know, when, when you're posting those numbers, I think it's eight that he's got this season, um, which puts him joint third in the Swiss Super League as, as things stand. You know, there's, there's, there's something that which, is, which is happening there, isn't there? Yes, and I can probably explain what happened. Um, he was called up to the national team in um, early November, and since then he's kicked on. And I've not, I think he scored in four games straight. I can verify this, but he's had a boost of confidence by being called up. He has, he's already enjoyed a good season, otherwise he wouldn't have been called up to, uh, to the national team. Mm. But uh, no, sorry, he scored um, six in the last five games. Oof, not a uh, bad record. <laughs> yeah, not a bad record at all. And um, for a midfielder especially. Exactly. He's kicked on. And that's uh, another example of, of where you can see how important confidence is for a player. Because he was starting to play regularly, but he was in no means uh, a starter for Servet over the past few seasons. But now he's, it's unthinkable that he even uh, starts a game from the bench or gets subbed out at the end of a game for other reasons than uh, tactical. Now he's, he's excellent. Um, he has a very strong right foot. Um, don't let him shoot from within 25 yards. And um, don't let him take free kicks near the goal. And uh, don't let him play through balls. Um, he's not a number 10. I think he's... Yes, some some similarities to Insigne, um, cuts inside and is able to shoot from distance. Uh, but overall, he's just a very good player, and everybody knew he was a very good player. He didn't, he just didn't get chances to prove them himself over a stretch of games for Servet. 
He's now one of their leading players with uh, Mika Stefanovic. Both are very good and both are carrying the team at the moment. And I would assume he's one of the main candidates to land in a top five league at the end of the season. My best guess is Liga um, because of the language, uh, also because of the connection of Servette with France. Um, I think it would make a lot of sense for him to move on at the end of the season because he's now proving that he's ready. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there, um, based on purely his, his statistics alone. Um, and just having a look up, you know, he's he's played from Switzerland under 16s, every age group up to the 21s. And then in November, as you said, made his, his senior debut for the Swiss national team, um, which it must be said, obviously qualified for, for the World Cup in Qatar automatically uh, next, next, next summer, I almost said, next winter um, in 2022. So... Hopefully, there might be an outside chance that if he does get a move or if he does continue, you know, the the second half of the season in the same form that that he's that he's uh, you know performed in the in the first half, uh, that we might see him over in Qatar with with the Swiss team because you know we we saw over the Euros it was the Ruben Vargas, um, you know, a few a few of the other the younger players that that were doing well um, that that were called up uh, to to that Swiss squad. But yeah, hopefully um, that we'll see a little bit more of him and also. Just a, a little, a little finer point for, for any for any keen scouted football listeners. Um, he not the same year, I must stress, uh, but he does have the same birthday as me as well. So there's another soft spot for for me to 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 have for, for Servette uh, alongside the Mbappé link. But see your new favorite player sorted exactly just like that. I'm gonna watch Servette every week now. Literally just gonna hop onto Y Scout and just catch all their games. Um, but yeah, also born in Geneva and a lovely, lovely city, which I've, I've, I've been to once, but not, not for anywhere near long enough. Um, but yeah, that fantastic um, Castriot Imeri, uh, who's been playing very well, obviously a Swiss international. Um, I've got listed down here an honourable mention section just to finish things off, because um, I, I don't these were the, play, the players that we've discussed so far were the ones which, you, you know, you couldn't avoid um, you know, discussing when you're talking about young players in Switzerland um, because they are so good. But it, are there any that you think are perhaps, you know, flying even further under the radar uh, from your perspective? Yeah, uh, someone who's been flying under the radar now um, this season, especially, is Leonidas Stergiu from St. Gallen. He's a modern defender, and very quick, very good at anticipating uh, attacks. He plays in a uh, high up the pitch pressing system, which is playing to his strengths as a central defender. Um, he, as I said, quick and uh, with a good first ball as well. But he has uh, had trouble with injuries this season and uh, with a struggling team. So we'll see. He's only, uh, I think he's 19 as well. So uh, he's still very young and probably move on at the end of the season. But he has to choose the right club with the right system because I believe that the high pressing system is the right one for him. Oh, very uh, interesting. Uh, would you would you see potentially in future? Uh, uh, Le- by the way, Leonidas Leonidas Sturgeou, what a name that is! Yes, yes, fantastic. Yes, I think he has a Greek mother or a Greek father. Uh, but the name Leonidas alone is uh, is superb. Oh, absolutely brilliant! Yeah, um, I mean, could we see potentially in future uh, him and Omer Ragic uh, lining up alongside each other at centre back for the Swiss national team? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a very good possibility. Um, I think that uh, for now, Omer Ragic is the safer bet of mm. the two. But 
I think both will get the chances. I mean, Stadio at the age of 19 is playing for the under 21s uh, mm-hmm. national team. So um, I think the chances are very good that if he hits his next uh, his next transfer, that Stadio will be called up to the Swiss national team, especially since Murat Yakin, our uh, new uh, national coach, coach, likes to call up one or two very young players to give them... Uh, to show them that they're being watched and they're being appreciated and there is an open door for them if they uh, perform consistently, which is something I really like. And uh, I'm sure uh, Stegiu, as I said, if he hits his next transfer, will be um, on the list, on the shortest for national players. Um, there are other players, uh, aside from Stegiu, that I really like that uh, people should have an eye on. And even though they're uh, at the bottom of the league right now, it's Filip Ugrinic from FC Luzern, a central midfielder, age 22. Uh, spent some time in the Netherlands. He is a beast. A physical, <laughs> he is a physical beast. He's a box-to-box player, although better in attack than in defense. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, for, for, someone, for, for someone who plays for a team that is bottom of the table, he's 15 games, four goals, three assists from central midfield. And he's, he's capable of bossing the midfield with the right people around him. And as I said, he's strong. He's technically good. He has a very good shot, although the problem is he knows that he has a good shot and he uses it a lot, and, which means he's, uh, ah, his, his XG numbers are not very, very good. <laughs> I see uh, so a little bit of the the confidence there um, that yes. he, thinks he can score all these all these long range Hollywood goals. Yeah, I, yes, I mean, exactly. To be honest, it sounds like he's he's doing it all by himself. I've never I've never watched him, but yeah, Filippo Greenwich playing for Luzern. Yes. That, that's that's a name which I'm gonna 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 scribble down diligently now. Yeah, go go and uh, watch him. Uh, just just watch his physique. I mean, he was there was uh, once a rumor, and I think. It, to be true that he did train wrong and he did train too much on his physique and then he went to Holland and uh, did train differently lost some of his uh, muscles and now looks like a, more like a footballer than a bodybuilder <laughs> but i think i think he's tailor made for a league for a physical league i can see actually i could see him playing in the premier league although not uh, not upper tier but uh, he's one to watch um, because I, I like this I like this guy just he's cheeky a bit and he's gutsy and uh, I like the player a lot. Um, also keep an eye on Lausanne and um, they have a very young squad. Um, if you go through their squad their players 2018 19 19 they have Archie Brown signed from uh, Derby County um, All right. a young 19 years uh, 19 years old uh, Englishman. And they have Trey Coyle from Arsenal Reserves uh, signed this year. And uh, another one, talented young player. Uh, they also have some talented uh, Ivorians like Brahima Ouattara, Jean Nguesson and, uh, and others. And two or three good young Swiss midfielders in, let's say, Gabriel Bares, for example, or also defenders, Karim So, Anne Lusic. They are very young currently second to last because probably of the age and you know a group needs some time to gel until they can really go uh, and i think as soon as they're ready they will be fine um, and they have uh, so much talent in their squad that they could actually if they let 
if if they let the club lets those talents develop over another season, that they could play a role in uh, let's say spots three to five for next season. Very, very, very interesting. Thank you very much, Oliver, for 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 those for those names because I, I have been scribbling them down as you've been as you've been <laughs> rattling them off because you know you I think I think it is true that you know the, the Swiss Super League can can become one of those leagues which is you know producing your Jordan Shakiri's Granit Xhaka's and and Mohamed Salah's uh, in in future again and and obviously the clubs that we've discussed your Zurichs and your Servets and and FC Basel in particular. They they'll play a, a major role in it, um, and you know I think for, for anybody who who has the same sort of interest in young players in football and who's listening to this podcast, you know I think I'd, I really would like to extend my thanks to say that you know it's it's been great first of all to speak to to someone behind the scenes with with Sports Interactive and and who 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 decides uh, certain certain elements of the football manager saves that that we all enjoy so much, but but as well for for your expertise on on the Swiss Super League. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. I love talking about it. I'm passionate about football, first of all, but I'm also very passionate about Swiss football and everything that comes with it, uh, the good and the bad. Um, I love it. It's just my, I mean, it's my my home country, but also it's the league that I follow for over 25 years. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about it all the time. Brilliant stuff. And where can people uh, find you on, on, on Twitter, on, on online? Where can they find your work and examples of that? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, a, A-U-L-I-T underscore Z or Oliver Zeziger. Uh, if you look for me, I tweet sometimes about Swiss football. My job, although my job is to watch games. So I'm often at the weekends when the games are taking place. I'm often at the stadium. So a bit less uh, tweeting at weekends during games, but uh, I'm also I'm always happy to chat football football manager. So uh, hit me up on DMs or uh, give me a tweet or talk about whatever is whatever is in on your mind when it comes to Swiss football. Perfect. And uh, for anybody who wants to follow Oliver, then we'll be putting uh, his at into the description of this episode as well. But yeah, that just about wraps things up for for this week's episode. Um, Thank you again to to Oliver and thank you again to all of you who are listening to this week's episode. Uh, We'll be back in uh, the meantime with with more episodes just like this, uh, more features and more storylines from the world of under-23 football. Um, I've been Joe Donoghue. Thank you very much for for listening. Uh, This has been the Scouted Football Podcast. Bye for now. For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.